welcome back to Millennial Ag, where agriculture is always on tap and no topic is off limits. Thanks for joining us today, your co-hosts, Valley Likely and Catherine Lotspeech. Well, listeners, we are in the first full week of April, um, still amidst the whole coronavirus pandemic, still dealing with, um, you know, social distancing, sheltering in place, um, just life very, very different from what it was even just a month ago. And, um, you know, from our episodes a few weeks ago, Valine and I thought, you know, maybe we'll touch on it once um, and move on to more, more upbeat things. But really, this whole coronavirus COVID-19 thing is touching every single part of our lives. And especially in agriculture, it's having um, some major impacts. And uh, we're we're witnessing them unfold in front of us right now. And I think that they deserve a really good hard look. And so this week, um, we're going to be talking about a pretty tough subject um, personally, um, because it affects the dairy industry by and large. This week, um, over the last few days, you might have seen or heard reports about dairy farmers across the United States dumping milk straight out of their bulk tanks, um, just onto the ground into wastewater impoundments, land farming it, um, getting rid of it rather than it going to the consumer. And, uh, you know, that's that's mind-boggling when you've been to the grocery store in the last couple of weeks and the dairy cases are empty. So this week we have um, brought a couple dairy dairy folks from Idaho, millennial dairy folks from Idaho, to um, give us give us some insight from on the ground and their background as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to have um, both Hank and Katie DeVries with us today. Uh, I grew up with them in southern Idaho, um, and we kind of just were acquaintances all through high school um, and really good family friends. But they recently, Hank recently came back to the family dairy and is there on the dairy now. And Katie um, is still, I would say, involved in the dairy, but she lives up in um, Boise area and works, got her law degree and is working for the attorney general's office um, up there. So I'm going to, I can't do their introductions any grace. So I'm going to let them both introduce themselves and kind of where their passions lie in the um, dairy industry and and a little about what's going on on their family dairy right now. Katie, you want to (laughs) start? Yeah, sure. So I got to start with my typical spiel that these are only my opinions and not the opinions of the Attorney General or ISDA, the Idaho State Department of Agriculture. Everything I express here is my own opinion. Um, But yeah, I went to law school at U of I and all throughout law school, my, I think my big passion was agricultural law. And then I ended up moving to Boise and finding a job as the deputy AG for the Department of Agriculture. So I'm kind of living my personal dream right now. So that's the the DeVries family motto right there, living the dream. Um, <laughs> I uh, I just graduated from uh, Cal Poly there in San Luis Obispo, probably it'll be a year ago in June, um, with a major in dairy science, minor in ag business, planning on coming back to the farm. And uh, I finally did here in January. So this will be almost, you know, five months of me being back home full time uh, running the dairy. Uh, well, thanks for those introductions and thanks for being on our podcast this week where I wish it was in a little different circumstances and we had a little more upbeat conversation to have, but I hope by the end we can at least inspire our listeners to, to do their part or see how we can make a difference too. But with all this dairy dumping, I, it's, it tugs at my heartstrings and I, I'm struggling to even find words on how to put it because I just, I want to ignore it. I want to say this can't happen in my backyard. Um, 
kind of same thing I said with the coronavirus. It can't happen to me and it can't happen to my family. But guess what? It hit my family and the milk, the excess milk and the milk prices are hitting in our backyard. And I think you guys can speak to that. Hank, um, we talked a little bit before we got started on what you experienced just today. Um, would you want to give our listeners maybe a synopsis of what today looked like for you? Yeah, so usually, you know, I start my day around 6.30 in the morning, going to the dairy and doing my morning checks, making sure milk is good in the bulk tank, agitators on, temperatures good, you know, just simple stuff like that. But today I got woken up with a call from um, the boss, so mom, telling me, <laughs> hey, get, every, get everything ready to uh, dump milk again. Uh, and it's getting woken up with anything, you know, bad news is never fun, but getting told that, hey, your farm doesn't get income today uh, was kind of a big, uh, great way to start my day. I went down to the dairy and opened up the T-valve and let the you know 70,000 pounds of milk start running out of our main bulk tank there, and I couldn't even watch it. I just I had to go find something else to do. I went in the office and found something to clean and uh, you know let it drain for two hours. That's how long it took this morning was to drain our bulk tank. It was two hours. And how many gallons of milk was that? Can I ask? Yeah. So if you take, you know, say we had 70,000 pounds, um, divide that by 8.6, which is as much as a gallon of milk weighs. And that's about 8,000 gallons of milk, a little more than 8,000 gallons of milk. And that was your whole day's production that would typically go in the milk truck and head to the plant. Yep. You, that would have headed into Jerome to Magic Valley Quality to uh, be made into, you know, uh, uh, cream, separated milk, anything like that, and gone to, you know, someone's table in some way. But today, just watch, you know, 70,000 gallons of very high quality, uh, you know, high fat, high protein, low somatic milk, just go down the drain. You know, my personal work, uh, years of my mom and my dad's work, and then just, you know, the, the milkers work for that shift, the day shift, the feeders work, all the feed that was grown by local farmers in our land just wasted to go to nothing. And it was just, it's heartbreaking watching it because yeah, I think about it as all as that big complex system and everybody's work today is, you know, basically for nothing. That's just, just heartbreaking, Hank. It's awful to hear and, you know, I, I can't imagine being faced with that situation. And it sounds like this was the second day of dumping that your family's had to do. Yep. Second time we've ever had to dump and it comes in the same week. <laughs> yeah. Amid- and it, you know, it's, and it's of no problem of ours. It's not like we had a hot tank or something like that. It says, Oh, you, you can't sell your milk today. And why is that? What's tell our listeners, what's the impetus behind this dumping? Because like I mentioned in the intro, there's stores that are limiting limiting buys of milk or they don't even have milk on their shelves. What's going on there? Yeah, so um, from my understanding of it, and Katie, feel free to hop in. You've probably done been able to do a little bit more research on what's actually going on, is all of the storage for the product has been full for so long that we there's nowhere to put it. And there's such a bottleneck at the processing facilities, especially here in Idaho with the liquid market, Idaho is such a small to non-existent liquid market, we can't bottle milk and give it to the consumer. What we do in Idaho is we separate for cream and whey, 
and that gets you know put into you know dried whey products for human consumption for animal consumption uh, the separated cream goes to you know things like sour cream cottage cheese cheese production stuff like that and those are relatively shelf stable so they sit in warehouses that are on the shelf a lot longer compared to liquid milk and the liquid milk, when it gets bought up, it gets bought up, and then it, the the supply is it's gone again, and it has to be redone and redone. And we can't. It's there's such a bottleneck there at the processing facility, and the lack of it that we can't make enough liquid milk to supply it. And it's it's just there's just a it's a weird the the demand uh, the supply and demand of you know panic buying is a weird thing to get get ready for. <laughs> Right. And demand has really shifted to these last few weeks because of all the shelter in place orders. So schools aren't in session. Restaurants aren't aren't using um, especially cheese and butter, which for our listeners use a high volume of milk to make one pound of product. So like to make one pound of cheese, it takes 10 pounds of milk. Um, all of that milk is suddenly displaced and not going anywhere either, which yep. um, which is leading also leading to having to dump um, while cases sit empty like you said because those plants that make those sorts of things can't be easily um you know converted into um filling gallons of milk rather than making pints of milk for schools or butter or cheese right and then on top of that you look at producers having problems with their own personnel but then um processors are also experiencing the same thing we're all working from home. We're all afraid of our loved ones getting COVID and all these other things. Well, they are too. So all these people that would usually be at work at the processing plants, they're also getting hit with the personnel issues. They probably are just aching to get people back in their normal jobs in their regular spaces. Well, and I just read today that um, they've, temporarily close some beef packing plants too because of the COVID. And so I don't, on a beef side that, that aches, but I don't, can't imagine that's helping the dairy markets either. What would you guys say to that? Oh, not at all. You know, we, you know, if I were to beef a couple, you know, low producing cows or open heifers, I think I might get, you know, maybe 50 cents on the pound for it, 48 cents. So for, you know, and I, I can't do that as a farmer and expect to make anything from that. And I've put in all of these inputs to raise that animal. And at this point I'm, I'm getting a, a huge loss on that. It's not, it's, it's, it's almost impossible to say, okay, well, I'm going to go beef some, you know, some coal cows cause I want to get them off of my place. But if I did that, I would be at such a huge loss. It's, you know, you kind of, it's a gamble, you know, uh, do I just keep them or do I just get rid of them to get rid of them to lower my feed cost? And it's a, a compounding thing. A lot of inputs that aren't good right now. <laughs> yeah. It, it's like a mini headed monster. Cause you look at these huge industries that are wholesale buyers of milk and cheese products getting knocked out. You've got restaurants, hotels, schools, all, all getting the ax. And then even on top of that, you look at our export markets, because in every other country in the world, practically, they have those same markets closed down. There's not restaurants open all over the world. So all of these people, all of these truckers, all of these people working in the processing plants, they're all facing the same stay-at-home orders and the same, I don't know, I guess, fears that everybody else is experiencing, too. 
Right. And this for the dairy industry, well, and for agriculture as a whole, really could not have come at a worse time because just like you mentioned, Katie, those those export markets are severely depressed right now, but they've been depressed for the last two years because mm -hmm. of because of trade wars. Um, and that's certainly not helping anything. And the last time, you know, the last time dairy farmers saw any kind of a, a profitable year was 2014. So we're sitting on five years of, of red ink for dairy farmers. And now we're literally dumping milk down the drain. And, you know, it, it's, it's just awful. I don't really know how else to describe it. But, um, you know, this, this new normal that we're living in, have you, have you or Hank heard of any, um, any solutions to the problems or, or what have you guys been hearing out in the field to try and mitigate some of this hurt? Right. So, you know, I, I know there's a few propositions coming up uh, from the USDA about, um, you know, lowering total production by 10% on a dairy farm. And then they add $3 on top of your hundred weight price. But, you know, to, you know, and that when that first happens, you know, right now I'm like, Oh sweet, that that'd be great. But really, that get us back to maybe break even. Right, and that's because the futures markets have taken a dive over the last month and a half, right? Yeah, I think class four was sitting at eleven dollars a hundred weight, and in May it's go. It's uh, I saw the projection going to eight dollars or something. The lowest one I saw was like eight bucks. Right, and for our listeners who don't know what that means, um, milk is sold from the farm on a hundred weight basis. So 100 pounds of milk is what you get paid by. Um, and the futures prices, the markets on the Chicago Mercantile Exchange dictate what, what those prices that, that a dairy farmer will receive are. Um, at the beginning of the year, they were looking $18, $19 milk. And in the last six weeks, like Hank said, we've watched class three and four just take a 30% nosedive. I saw class three today closed at $11.83 per hundred weight. And Hank, can I ask what your break-even price is right now? Or something uh, to do it for Idaho? Yeah, I think our break-even right now is hovering around that 1514. And really, it would be, it's going to be a lot higher the next coming weeks because of the lack of our supply chain. You know, half of our feed that we would usually be feeding right now is gone. So, you know, wet beet pulp, wet distiller's grain has been completely cut off due to issues with COVID. It's, um, you know, sugar, the amalgamated sugar here has cut, you know, its production to, you know, everybody's at home. You can't have people making sugar if they're not in the plant. And so we don't get that byproduct that we feed the cow. And then the same with ethanol guys around here. Um, we can't feed the distiller's grain. And that's a huge energy dense, uh, you know, byproduct for us and we can't feed that and so our feed costs are going to skyrocket just because we're feeding all of our you know silage that is should last us a little longer but it's not and then you know the same thing with our good forage it's our feed cost is going to go up so i see our break even probably in the next couple of weeks going up to like 16 bucks so milk you're telling me milk prices are in the toilet essentially <laughs> and your break even is rising it's yeah it might, in, in from what I can see and guessing and hoping what's not going to happen is exactly that. Our break even is going to sky, not skyrocket, but it's going to climb. And then milk prices are in a downward spiral. So it's to it, combine those two and it ain't good for anybody. <laughs> and Hank, just for our listeners, is this happening to other dairy farmers in Southern Idaho? And is it happening all across the country too? Uh, yeah, 
just today talking to our uh, co-op, our, uh, they're dumping 10 other people, uh, at least 10 other dairies. And I don't know what dairies I didn't want. I didn't want to know. I thought it was a little impersonal to ask, uh, but, um, you know, that could be bigger dairies around us. Those could be guys that are producing 120,000 pounds of milk a day compared to R70. And uh, it could be smaller guys that literally, you know, that they, it's a day-to-day -day thing where, you know, I'm, I, they need to get their, they need to ship their milk and get paid for it every day just to stay in business. You know, it's, there's a lot of different kind of dairies in our co-op. And then nationally, it's been happening in Wisconsin longer. It happens, it happened in Florida a lot, uh, way before it happened here. I'm not sure if it's dumping in California as much as it has been here, but I wouldn't, I've got it. I was going to say, yeah, Arizona, I'm sure has been dumping. I'm sure they, I'm, I know they've dumped and then California it's either happened or it's happening right now. So it's a, it's a nationwide thing. Yeah. The Midwest and Northeast are, are starting to dump more too. Um, you know, just last week I heard one of the, one of the larger co-ops in the nation dumped across the country, 6,000 tanker loads of milk. Um, oh, <laughs> so this is, this is getting pretty depressing. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's a story that needs to be told. And I, I, how do we, as you guys are more involved in some of the dairy associations than I am, um, but is this a story we want to tell consumers? Um, is this, how do we, how do we engage a consumer on what's really happening or do we? There's a debate on that. We, Hank and I have heard both ends. We've heard that some people don't want to show the dumping milk because they think that it scares consumers and that it undermines consumer confidence. On the other end, sometimes I personally look at it and I think I would want to see a dairy farm dumping. I want to know which farms are in trouble and which companies, where do I need to start buying my extra or block of cheese every day? So I think there's a big debate on whether it actually undermines consumer confidence or if it, in fact, maybe it stirs up consumer sympathy and almost like a heartwarming type feeling. I think it's definitely confusing for consumers because, you know, as we've laid out here, but we've taken 20 minutes to do it, um, it's, a, it's a complicated issue and, and there's not a quick fix for it and there's not necessarily anything you know, that consumers themselves can do besides continue to request dairy products um, at the stores. But it's not, you know, it's not the producer's fault. It's not the consumer's fault. It, it lies somewhere in the middle. And so does the solution. And it's, you know, the people on the far ends of it don't have a whole lot of control on how to, how to really start moving things along again. And then in the middle of that, you get a bunch of news articles that come out that are falsely quoting what's really going on. And you get wonky titles, excuse me, with everything going on too. And so just throw that in the middle of everything. And to me, as somebody that's an outsider looking into the dairy industry, I'm confused at what's really happening right now because you get the full gamut of people. And I'm fortunate to have friends like you all and be rooted in agriculture to know kind of where the truths lie. Um, but there's a lot of misinformation out there on this topic too. And, and, the COVID virus just helped stir that pot even further, I believe anyway. 
I think you're definitely right with that. I've seen articles and, you know, people commenting and asking questions like, does the milk have coronavirus and stuff like that? And it's like, no, it's the, the dairy, dairy industry, the cows don't have coronavirus. The, uh, the people, uh, if they do, they're in quarantine. And then, um, you know, if the milk or the product were to have it, we wouldn't be selling it. And I've seen plenty of articles that make it sound like the actual product is carrying the, the COVID virus. And, it's a it's a scary thing to see that and you know me being a dairyman and having kind of an education in it i can say that see that article and go okay what's actually going on here other people see that and say oh crap you know i can't go buy milk or buy cheese or butter because it might be laced with the you know coronavirus or something like that jeez i i had not heard that rumor and that just i've, man, wait I've just- seen that probably three times today just on facebook just like in a couple news articles saying like dairy is hurt by coronavirus and people commenting, oh, do, does the product have corona? And no, it doesn't. <laughs> but that's how, yeah, that's how rumors get started and, and false, false information gets spread for sure. Exactly. So, um, you know, we've talked about a lot of the problems that are facing dairy producers right now and, and how ugly it looks right now. But um, sort of what spurred this week's episode was something that Katie started just a few days ago and maybe sheds a little bit of sunshine on an otherwise darker picture. So Katie, do you want to, do you want to tell us what you've been up to the last few days? Yeah. Um, I, I got a phone call from my mom telling me about the milk dump and it, it, it stirred up a lot of sadness in me. Cause like Hank said, you see, you can see it viscerally all of that milk going on the floor and all the work that, it took to get there. And in my head, I thought, okay, the reason we're dumping all of this milk is because there's an excess somewhere and we need more space in our processing plants so that we can pasteurize, fortify, homogenize all the processes to get more milk on the floor in all these stores. And I have also seen this strange, almost false limitation on how many dairy products you can buy in all of these stores because when COVID first hit, um, people were saying, oh, you can only buy two gallons of milk. And these were families that were previously buying five gallons of milk because they have four kids. And so this, this kind of limitation on buying products ended up with this overstock on the back end for all these stores. And now I've gone to the store and seen milk on clearance because it expires soon or the sell-by date is coming up very quickly. And so I thought, okay, well, how do I get this off the shelves and how do I do this fast? And I made a post to people with a picture of the milk dump. And I said, okay, if you want to help out the dairy industry and you want to help hungry people, this is what you do. You donate that milk because number one, dairy products in general are highly requested, but rarely donated because they're perishable. And number two, I gave them options. I said, I get it that it's not really easy for everybody to run down to the grocery store and then drive down to the food bank. So here's what you can do. And I listed a couple organizations that I thought are appropriate for donating milk products. And then I just ended up giving people the option. I said, get in contact with me. If you want me to donate milk on your behalf, I will do it and I will match your donation. And I have been really surprised at how many people have actually reached out to me saying, Katie, we trust you to take this money and go do a donation on our behalf. Good luck. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Don't get COVID. (laughs) (laughs) 
That's, that's incredible, Katie. I think that's, you know, you're just showing some of the, the pioneering spirit of agriculturists um, as a whole, you know, okay, we've got a problem, how are we going to fix it? Um, and then, like you said, giving people options, which I think is incredible. And as you mentioned, um, dairy products are highly requested at, at food banks because they're so nutritionally dense, especially for, um, you know, for kids. Um, yeah. Which is... I think, what is it, like eight grams of protein for an eight ounce cup? Yep. Yep, it's and yeah. 120 calories. It's it's fantastic. Not to mention all of the the vitamins and minerals that are provided. Oh, well. and and food banks. You look at like cheese, right? You can make a meal out of cheese by making quesadillas or a grilled cheese. And right. You don't even have to have meat to have a protein source in them. So that's why I thought, well, if these are sitting on the shelves, this is the perfect thing to donate anyway. Absolutely. Yep. And um, I'm sure you guys have all heard too that that food banks are experiencing. Um, huge increases in traffic right now because of all the job loss. And so, yes. you know, it's um, it's maybe a little bit inconvenient for individuals, but a way that we can move product is is to start donating to, to food banks you know, locally, um, wherever you happen to be, because there's food banks everywhere. And so, um, it we hats off to you. What you're doing is really, really incredible. Um, and in fact, you've inspired Millennial Ag to, to join you. So um, listeners, this week, or for the next few weeks, um, Valine and I are sponsoring a milk drive of our own through Millennial Ag. Um, and we will, we will match up to $200 of, of donations um, to our local food bank, wherever you happen to be donating as well. And we're going to have um, details on that on our pages on Instagram and Facebook to come in the next couple of days. But we encourage you to join all of us in supporting not only the dairy industry, um, but people in need as well during, during this, you know, this time in our history. Well, and I think you placed a limit on it because I didn't. And now I'm going to go broke. <laughs> I've had so many people reach out with so much generosity that I thought, well, I should probably put a limit on how much I'm willing to donate because I am going to not make rent this month. <laughs> you, you still have to feed yourself, Katie, through some of this too. <laughs> Katie's going to be the one, uh, the one coming out to the dairy, and I'm going to have to give her a gallon of dump milk to drink. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. You would not believe it, though. I've, I think at this point I took a tally, and we donated 40 gallons of milk. We did 20 half gallons of milk. I think, let's see. 10 of those really huge bags of cheese. I don't know how many pounds those are. I kind of forget after not looking at them. Um, 10 packages of butter, just like an unreal amount of string cheese. It's been, it's great. <laughs> that's awesome. And, you know, we're sure that's just in the last few days. We're sure that that's going to, going to continue to climb. And I hope so. I really hope so. I hope that this puts me out of house and home. <laughs> <laughs> I love that generous spirit. That's incredible. And so thank you for the inspiration on that, for sure. Um, we're excited to be able to give back in a way that's that's meaningful as well. Absolutely. And we thank you listeners for tuning into this week's episode. We'll continue to keep you posted on what's going on in the industries. And hopefully, we're hoping that this follows the trend of the coronavirus. And as we come out of our stay-at-home orders that some of this will rebound as well um, but I think this we could be in this for the long haul um, but we're saying lots of prayers and trying to put some positive spirit on it but know that the agriculture is in this together and it's it is cool to see us all come together in times of need and figure out how we can help 
feed each other, feed families when, when things are tough. So if you have any questions, you can direct message us on our social media platforms, Instagram and Facebook. And you can also email us at Catherine at millennialag.com. And Catherine is spelled K-A-T-H-A-R-I-N-E. Thank you listeners. Thank you.